Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think in a roundabout way, we kind of knew we'd spend a lot of the spring portion of the Georgia football calendar talking quarterbacks, and for the most part, that's kind of turned out to be true. This is partially true because the quarterback is the most important position probably in all of team sports, definitely in all of team sports, so there's always a lot of chatter about quarterbacks. And there's also this interest and intrigue at UGA because there are a lot of what we think of as talented quarterbacks, at least based on their profiles coming out of high school and those tightly edited short videos that always come out. Uh, There's a lot of evidence that Georgia's got some pretty talented young quarterbacks waiting the wings. Some of these guys not quite so young anymore, but they still haven't played very much. And this is kind of the sequel to last year's movie, which was intrigue at the quarterback spot because of the fact that jt daniels had started off as the starter and then he got hurt and then stetson bennett took over the reins and bennett ended up leading georgia the national championship and along the way some were left to wonder well what happened to jt daniels and there's just always a lot of mystery and intrigue it seems around the georgia quarterback position and i don't know i'm so deeply entrenched in the bubble of dog nation here that maybe i I can't quite see clearly of what's happening other places but it seems like there's probably more of that at georgia sometimes than there are uh, other places and so far this spring we're just kind of picking up right where we left off when it comes to what's going on at the quarterback position. And I guess to add to all of this, there has been a little bit of chatter as of late of, you know, folks who've seen practice saying, ooh, uh, Carson Beck and Brock Vandergrift, two of those young but talented backups, they were getting number one reps and number two reps. And that means that Stetson Bennett wasn't quite getting so many reps. Uh, all, all of a sudden, maybe that's the signal that this is a open quarterback competition or at least Beck and Vandergriff getting a chance to compete with each other at the very least we think that's true and maybe they're both also getting a chance to compete with Stetson Bennett there as well and then kind of adding into the intrigue of all of this is something that Kirby Smart said at practice or I should say at a press conference the other day now I've told you that I don't really read all that much into this this doesn't sound all that different from the kinds of things that Kirby Smart typically says about players but there are some including our mike griffith who uh, said this in the show yesterday i think he said this in uh, some of the things he's written at dognation.com there as well thought that uh maybe kirby's a little hard on stetson bennett with something that he said in one of his uh, press conferences let me give you an example of that because it kind of leads us to where we want to go today this was from a few days ago kirby on the challenge that he's uh kind of pushing on a georgia quarterback presumed starter stetson bennett make decisions right we were late over the middle a couple times with balls and late in the season and you know he'll be the first he didn't play perfect he made some really good plays for us with his feet his legs his decision making but you just want to take out the you know some of the bonehead throws some of the bonehead mistakes um that he's made from time to time and you know hey it's easy for him to say he hadn't had an opportunity to correct those mistakes because the the guy was taking threes at this time last year you know, he was he was taking reps as a, as a three or sparingly and wasn't getting a lot of reps. So he got a lot of work fast, and uh, we feel like he's he's still showing progress. He's done some really nice things this spring, but that should be should be expected for a guy with his uh, experience level. There's also a moment in the press conference we talked about, you know, challenging to do the right things off the field and things like that. And as I said before, I'm not really all that scandalized by any of that. To me, that doesn't sound all that different than what Kirby typically says, where 
Kirby's not really in the habit of like heaping a bunch of praise on really anybody. And if he has a chance to kind of pivot to, hey, we're going to push all these guys to get better, that that to me is just like sort of typical Kirby Smart stuff there. But there were some people who kind of ooh, listen to that. Kirby Smart's uh, really speaking openly about what he wants to see more from from Stetson Bennett. There were some people who kind of took that to be a thing. Apparently, one of those guys is a former Georgia quarterback named Buck Blue. You know Buck, national champion going back to 1980, radio host in Atlanta on 680 The Fan. And this week, Buck had Kirby Smart on his radio program. And buck asked kirby directly about his relationship with stetson bennett that maybe some people i'm going to presume here that that buck is referencing the the comments in the press conference some people left to assume that that maybe kirby's unhappy with stetson bennett there's something going on there with stetson bennett this is actually a pretty interesting exchange between the former georgia quarterback and the current georgia coach in light of what kirby had said about stetson bennett recently at uh at a, at a press conference so this from 680 the fan earlier this week kirby the boys at the coffee shop want to know if you and stetson are doing okay a lot of talk in the, uh, the in the media out there about uh, maybe motivating him and some of the other guys. Uh, I, I want to motivate everybody. I don't. I don't single Stetson out. I mean, Stetson is, is like another player in any position. Compare him to maybe Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo has started one year and and played well. Stetson's kind of started one year and played well. I, I I want all of them to be motivated and uh, don't put Stetson in a different. Uh, a different category by any means he's he's uh he's played really well at a high level and we think he can improve and we're going to continue to challenge him uh, i appreciate the the hard work and, and loyalty and commitment that Stetson has shown to georgia and he continues to do that and we're we're certainly trying to develop younger quarterbacks as well because that's the future of your program and uh Stetson's part of that too i've always said he didn't get as many reps uh in years past because he, he wasn't working as a one all, almost all his his one reps came last year so you know, he's gotten quite a bit of those this spring and we're going to keep developing him so i have to admit something here for a moment if i'm guilty of anything one of the things i am sometimes guilty of and i'll totally acknowledge this is maybe i read too much into certain situations maybe i look for things and I really tried to read into this because if you want to go back to about a month or so ago when I was on vacation, we did some pre-recorded shows. And like one of the things I addressed one of those pre-recorded shows is my curiosity about whether Georgia, Kirby Smart in this case, would treat Stetson Bennett the way that JT Daniels was treated a year ago. Kirby essentially named JT Daniels as the starting quarterback going into spring practice. This was not one of those typical Kirby situations where in prior years he would have talked openly about the need to compete at quarterback. Let's find out who our best guy is, even when it seemed fairly obvious who was going to start. Smart uh, would have a tendency to kind of sidestep some of that kind of stuff. And last year with JT Daniels, he didn't really do that. And so I was just kind of curious of, well, if that's the treatment that Daniels got a year ago, coming off a year in which Stetson Bennett led Georgia to the national championship, will Bennett get that treatment here this year, or will Kirby signal with his words that it's actually an open competition and maybe anybody could be the starter? Maybe uh, maybe Bennett holds on to this job or maybe somebody else takes it. So in light of a pretty candid exchange there between a former Georgia quarterback and, and, and Kirby Smart, I really tried to listen carefully to hear if there was language that would indicate one of those sides coming up here and 
for the most part, I don't really get that, right? I don't hear the I don't hear the word competition being used, but I don't also hear Kirby saying what he said about JT a year ago, which was JT's the guy. You know, in this particular case, that's not really quite what Kirby Smart says there. Maybe it's just so true it doesn't need to be spoken. But listening in on that interview, because it's around the same time a year ago that JT was getting that kind of talk from Kirby. I was trying to hear if there's any kind of language there that would indicate it is an open competition that involves Stetson Bennett or if the competition's to be the backup to Stetson Bennett. And Kirby Smart doesn't really walk in, in in really either one of those doors there on that. So I tried to read into something on that, and I don't quite know that it's there to read. But I, I do think that the one thing I do take at face value from Kirby there is just the notion that I don't think it's scandalous anything that Smart has previously said about Bennett here this spring, whether it's the stuff they want to see him do more of or the 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 challenge to keep getting better or the desire to motivate him and the other quarterbacks. As I said before, to me, this is just the kind of way Kirby talks. And to try to read too much into that part of it, I think would probably be a mistake. And to, I don't know, I guess presume what anybody's thinking in a situation like this is always the kind of thing that has the potential for error. While we're on the subject of quarterback, though, one more kind of in the same regard, once again, Kirby from the Atlanta radio station 680 The Fan, about the other quarterback who's gotten a lot of talk as of late. You heard Aaron Murray in our show this week talking about Carson Beck, that backup who's competing for some playing time, now going into his third year on campus, just hoping to get noticed, hoping to get that look that maybe gives him a chance to be on the field and Kirby on the Atlanta radio interview also talked a little bit more about the guy that right now everybody seems to be talking about Carson Beck and I'll let you read between the lines on this as well once again Kirby this time on Carson Beck continuing to get better I mean he's repping getting good work I mean the volume of reps those guys get quality reps those guys get it have gone up this spring so we want to see him keep growing um trying to get better and and, and being able to be be able to do some things with his feet and do things with his mind and that's that's you know that's what he was in high school he's, he's a really good passer and accurate passer and making good decisions we're just asking for consistency of decision making out of those guys a lot of times you, you can't evaluate that in practice you have to evaluate that in game mode to kind of see how they grow and the confidence in our system i mean i don't know what to make of that because <laughs> I know it's going to drive some of y'all crazy because Kirby says, hey, you can only evaluate him in game mode. But some of y'all are going to say, well, you don't put him in the games or let him throw the ball. How are you going to ever evaluate him? If if the only thing that matters is what you do during a game, then how come you don't let these guys play? Now, listen, that's not quite the way I feel. Um, I think, you know, sometimes that garbage time uh, stuff is a little bit overrated. But it's interesting to hear Kirby say <laughs> – you can only really evaluate these guys in game mode. And yet when the games come around, Georgia's up 100 points uh, – <laughs> those guys aren't really playing too much so uh, it's gonna drive some of y'all crazy I, I do understand that i'm not really quite sure so sure what to make of that one way or another except for this is that as the hype kind of builds for back here a little bit and to my ears and to my eyes it seems like it's growing a little faster for back right now than it is for brock vandergriff and that by the way that doesn't necessarily mean that Beck is way better than Vandegrift. It just means that the narrative is forming around Beck a little faster than it's forming around Vandegrift. If anything there, that's a little bit of a pump the brakes from Kirby Smart. Now, maybe that's an intentional pump of the brakes to 
just because Kirby just likes to pump the brakes on narratives as it is, or, or maybe there's a reason for that. But but a little bit of cold water there from Kirby on a narrative that's gotten pretty hot, and a lot of that's because of this show and some of the stuff that Aaron Murray said the other day. So maybe that's a an attempt on the part of Kirby Smart to kind of slow that down a little bit. There is a practice today. There will be media eyes on that practice, at least for a few minutes. Reports, including our own Dog Nation folks, will come out about what you see there. We'll get a chance to see all of this with our own eyes coming up on G-Day on April the 16th. But for now, quarterbacks still a very big topic. What Kirby has said about Stetson Bennett, what he still wants to see from him, the curiosity that exists among Georgia fans about what else Georgia has at that quarterback spot. These are interesting times, and there is still a lot more to be learned about this position for Georgia this year. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, starting at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, uh, 10 a.m. after that for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and podcasts, wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, all the various podcast platforms, just really happy to have you as a part of our program here today and a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible I know Bob Tharp and the whole team over at Meriwether and Tharp they're looking forward to G-Day big Georgia fans and enjoying this time of year for sure but they're also on guard for you in a time in which you may be need a strong advocate by your side I'm talking about the divorce process it's a word that I don't even really like to necessarily say it uh, conjures up a lot of negative emotions for many of you and I do understand that it's a weighty topic but it's also a realistic thing for so many of the folks in our audience right now and that's why i love telling folks about meriwether and tharp because anytime you have a chance to make somebody feel better in a tough situation that's kind of what you want to do as a person and that's what meriwether and tharp provides the opportunity to do may not be able to erase the reality of divorce in your life but can certainly set you up to succeed as you move past this phase of your life happier tomorrow can be in store for you based on what you do right now by going to the website the atlanta divorce team.com that's the atlanta divorce team.com and learning about all the ways in which Meriwether and Tharp can be a resource for you, including setting up a free initial consultation. Then after that, you make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp, put them to work uh, for you. They'll explain the law, how it benefits you, and what you can use to your advantage when it comes to your finances and your children and all those very important things. Meriwether and Tharp just gets all of that. So find them online today, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Terrence Edwards. Always a fun conversation each and every Thursday when we do a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with him. But before that, as a kind of a lead into our conversation with Terrence, I want to talk about another former dog here for a moment. It's around the doghouse. And we had Aaron Murray on the show the other day. And as I said a moment ago, a lot of what Murray said on our show in relationship to Carson Beck has kind of been a little bit of a conversation starter here this week. But I want to focus on a different aspect of something that Murray said, because I think it comes in candor right like a very candid comments from murray in the past where he's had some questions about the georgia wide receiver situation but this year it sounds like murray has a lot of optimism that this could be a better year for georgia's pass catching targets than maybe it's been in the past and admittedly this is also a little bit self-serving because some of y'all um 
I don't want to say roasted, but some of y'all kind of got on me the other day for one of my takes. And like Aaron Murray did echo this take here a little bit. So maybe maybe I'm not as dumb as some of y'all think I am. So uh, this is Aaron Murray from the show on, was it Tuesday? On, on Tuesday on what he looks at from the Georgia wide receivers and what he's been told by a Georgia staffer about one of those wide receivers there as well. This is Aaron Murray. I was talking to Bobo the other day and he was just raving about A.D. Mitchell and then and, and you know, is someone too. When when you see him in person, you see him out there running routes. He's one impressive individual, and I think the way he ended last season off, you saw a lot of confidence built from him. You know, I love Lad. I thought Lad had a tremendous year last year. Really, that deep threat, the guy that you saw like in the SEC championship game and other games that can take some of those tunnel screens, make a couple guys miss, and create those explosive plays down the field. Um, so I, I'm looking for both those two to really step their game up another notch, which I think they can. Obviously, you, you, you pretty much throw Brock Bowers into the, the equation as well. I mean, Brock is a tight end. I mean, he, he's a receiver. Uh, he can do it all. Um, I think it's the most versatile position in, in college football. I think it's the most versatile position in all of sports right now uh, and, and when it comes to, to, to football in the NFL and in college. So to have a guy like Bowers that you can move around, create matchups, I, I think it's amazing. I think between those three, I feel very confident about what they can do. So the other day I said I, I consider Brock Bowers receiver. I said maybe Georgia should consider Brock Bowers receiver. And some of y'all got all over me and said, B.A. ain't a receiver. Some of, <laughs> some of y'all are getting on me about that. Well, there's Aaron Murray. Uh, Aaron Murray says, uh, yeah, you think of Brock Bowers as a receiver. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the W on that. I'm not taking the L the way that some of y'all thought that I probably should. But the point is, is that's a pretty optimistic assessment from Aaron Murray, but the receiver situation at Georgia, whether you include Bowers in that conversation or not, and it's interesting that some of that is based on some praise from Mike Bobo, now Georgia staffer once again, about what he's seen from A.D. Mitchell, and all that's really cool. And to kind of not try to put too fine of a point on this, but to accentuate the point a little bit more, to hear these positive things from Murray about the receiver situation at Georgia, it's, it's important to remember that in the past, this is one of the things that Aaron has been quite candid about his belief that that was holding Georgia back lack of development among the wide receivers was maybe a little bit of an issue in Murray's mind and maybe for 2022 Aaron no longer sees that as quite a big concern this is what he said on our show once again on Tuesday now the fact they get Stetson all year they get to work with Stetson I know Bowers a little bit banged up right now but come fall camp he's going to get to work with those guys and then hopefully Kyrus Jackson can get back in the form like he was a couple years ago get healthy um, along with similar pieces I think it's a I have been outspoken about it. I think they've been very average. A lot of that has to do with, obviously, a lot of them been banged up. We've had a carousel of quarterbacks the past couple of years. It's hard to build chemistry. So that's in being there. That's in being the guy. And hopefully these receivers and tight ends being healthy, I think we could see a tremendous jump in the production in this offense next year when it comes to throwing the football. Boy, a lot there from Aaron. Full interview from our show on Tuesday. Also, the interview itself is isolated as a separate clip at Dog Nation on YouTube there as well. You can check that out. But two things in particular I want to point out here. First of all, as a guy who, in his own words, said that he has viewed the Georgia wide receiver situation as average in years past, sounds like he doesn't think that necessarily has to be the truth for 2022. That's a pretty optimistic optimistic appraisal from Murray, who has held back on some of that optimism in the past. And also... Murray pretty clearly calling Stetson Bennett the guy, even though one of the other things that he had said about 
his belief about Carson Beck had got a lot of attention that Beck was probably the what he said the best thrower in the room or whatever it was that he said still kind of saying that the presence of Stetson Bennett the chance to play with Bennett is the thing that may benefit these Georgia wide receivers so once again a little bit of a maybe a stabilizing statement about what Bennett still is in line of the fact that as of late there's been a little bit of uh, chatter about some of these other quarterbacks and uh, has kind of gotten some people wondering what might be going on. So maybe a little bit of a stabilizing statement from Aaron Murray there, but positive on the wide receivers, looking at uh, the role that Stetson Bennett plays in all of that. And then there's this one more thing before we transition to Terrence Edwards. When you think about, hey, bigger outlook for Georgia pass catching targets, back healthy again, eventually Brock Bowers, a tight end that plays like a wide receiver. What about another tight end who kind of plays? like a wide receiver we've talked to Terrence a lot lately about Eric Gilbert his protege and a guy that I think there is justifiably some excitement about I've told you before that I've tried to temper my expectations for Gilbert for the upcoming season because that's what Kirby Smart's asked us to do that's what uh, Terrence Edwards himself has asked us to do but man it's hard not to notice when you have these like you know off the record conversation whatever else that there's just a little bit of buzz around Gilbert right now. There seems to be some positivity around his return to football. In fact, I think I have this to show you. This is Terrence on Instagram the other day, uh, also kind of sharing some love and uh, saying some things about Gilbert that's going to get some folks noticed. Uh, he shares with him, I watched you closely yesterday, and I saw something in you I haven't seen in a long time. That uh, fire is back, he says. So uh, pretty excited about that. And you see, you know, nice little uh, – a photo of uh, of Gilbert and uh, Terrence Edwards together there so feeling pretty good about all of that and hard not to notice that there is a little bit of positivity right now that a guy that Georgia fans have been excited about since he was a recruit from Marietta High School you know that excitement's still kind of uh, you know kind of building here a little bit right now too so uh, pretty cool stuff so we'll do that more of the quarterback stuff and everything else as we transition now from around the doghouse to a Marlowe's Tavern insider update with Terrence Edwards today. Good to have you in the program as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a dognation.com insider. So I'll say hello to Terrence Edwards. Welcome him into a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. That's always a fun thing uh, to be able to do here on a Thursday. And Terrence, you know, you had told us before, hey, you know, let's let's go slow with uh, Eric Gilbert. Let's temper expectations. And I think that's a, a worthwhile ambition and probably pretty good advice. But as I was telling our folks before you join us by phone here, you know, it's hard not to notice that, man, when you have these conversations with people who've seen some practice and, and, and you know, whatever else, that there's a little bit of positivity around Gilbert's return to football right now. You know, some of that has come from you on social media a bit, and obviously some of that has also come from some of the things you've said when you've been on the show with us there as well. But the sense that I get is that things are progressing pretty nicely for Gilbert right now. Is that kind of your sense of all this too? Because clearly you know him far better than we do. Yes, most definitely. Uh, he's definitely progressing. He's definitely getting back into the swing of things, being out of football for as long as he's been out of it. Um, he, he has a long way to go for his conditioning, uh, getting his body right to back in playing form. But the football part, uh, he, 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 he could wake up out of his bed and catch a football. He could wake up out of bed and be able to run a route and get open. So that's the easy part. Um, and with the, with the thinness at the tight end position, he's getting probably more reps than he would have gotten if the room was completely healthy. So, in a sense, it, it's kind of a good thing. We know what Brock can do. We know what Darnell can do. Now it's time for, you know, the other guys to step up. And we know what Eric could do if 
he's on the field, but he's getting an extensive amount of reps right now, which is going to bode well for him in the summers and in the fall. Yeah, the one thing that I do see a lot of message board chatter about, and I guess one of the questions beyond just kind of what the role is for the upcoming season, one of the questions I have, you know, from a lot of fans, and I see fans themselves talking about online a lot is his size because he has been away from a while for a while and he is just kind of a big dude in general like how big is he right now I mean I, I saw one message board post and I thought it was kind of funny is he LeBron James or is he Zion Williams and you know is it one of those things where like he's just a big guy playing uh, you know with a little extra weight or is, is is the way to concern right now for Gilbert you see him up close and personal what can you tell us about that well you know think about being away from the team or facilities uh eating proper. Uh, he did come back a little heavy on the side that he, he hasn't been, and now he's getting back into the swing of things. He's, uh, I saw some where he, he's up to 270, but he, he's below 270, uh, but he's not where he, he wants to be. I think he wants to play in a round of, of 245, and he has a, a few more pounds to, to shed before he gets to that, but uh, he has time. Uh, I won't, you know, I think the Georgia strength condition is, is the best and they're going to get him back to his, his playing weight, uh, sooner than later, but you have to do it proper. You just can't just not eat and not do whatever and, and think the weight is going to come off. He has to do it in steps and, um, he's getting there. I could tell you he was, he, he's, he was bigger than ever once he got back and his, and his staff has slowly got the weight to come down and, and it's still coming down. So he, he's in a, uh, He's getting to the weight he wants to be. He's just not there yet. So I guess to wrap up the Gilbert portion of our conversation, are we thinking All-American season or just All-SEC for uh, Gilbert here this year? Uh, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to tell you this. It's going to be an All-American season from what he's been through and came from. That's awesome. Being on the field playing, in my mind, is an All-American season. Now that's great to hear. I think you're exactly right about that. Let me transition to this. Uh, a lot of chatter lately about quarterbacks and you know what maybe you know is going on with hey you know Kirby wanted to see more from Stetson Bennett some folks kind of made a little bit of a thing about some of the stuff that he'd said but also a little bit of buzz around Carson Beck and you know Brock Vandergriff to a degree but it seems like Beck's getting a lot of this right now what do you make of that situation with UGA at quarterback here in this moment where clearly you got a guy that you know can lead you to a national championship because that's what Be- that's what Bennett did last season but there's also this ceaseless curiosity about well, what about Carson Beck? He's been in this program now going on three years. And what about Brock Vandergriff? He's a former five star. What do you make of both the chatter that exists and what actually might be going on? I mean, I think we all can agree that the quarterbacks that that's behind Stetson are probably more talented than him. They possess the the right measurables uh, that Stetson don't have, but. Uh, me as a former player, uh, I want Stetson to lead us game one, uh, versus Oregon. The experience that he's garnered throughout these last three years, uh, is invaluable. He brings a, a, a light of confidence to some of the guys, especially defensively. Nolan has, has really been a very vocal guy for Stetson. And I think a majority of that locker room, uh, possess that Stetson is the best guy for the job. Is he most talented? No. But is he the best guy right now? I would say yes because of his years of experience. He's been in the rabbit hole. He's been there, done that. And 
I don't care what people have to say about Stetson. You cannot take that last drive, that fourth quarter drive, away from him when he went four for four and went took us down 80 yards. You can't take that away. doesn't matter what you want to say about him. You can't take that away. And when I see a quarterback who can lead a team against Alabama in a fourth quarter when we have to have a drive, he just fumbled and shakes that off and go down and lead us to a touchdown, that's why he's going to be the starting quarterback on day one. And those other guys, yes, probably more talented, but Stetson will be the quarterback against Oregon in that first game. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that, at least my understanding of the situation. But, you know, for these other guys, kind of from a logistical standpoint, so, you know, how do they make a name for themselves? Because even in practice right now, practice reps are still kind of split up and they're, you know, going to be somewhat limited because Bennett's going to have to get some. And, you know, Beck and Vandergriff, they want theirs there as well. And, you know, Smart had talked about, hey, you know, sometimes it's hard to evaluate without, you know, the game situation anyway. But, you know, let's say that you are Brock Vandergriff or Carson Beck and you want so badly to show what you have the capability of doing to show that you're also worthy of playing time something that maybe they didn't trust those two guys to do a season ago to actually be out there in a a normal game situation how tough is it for a young quarterback like that to get a chance to make his mark and show during these limited times of spring practice you're only doing it what three days a week you know to, to, to show that you are good enough to be in consideration for playing time how tough is it to be a quarterback in that situation I think the biggest thing that the most quarterback that you know especially the two, three, four guy that don't get uh, as many reps as the first or second team guy. It's just the understanding of the offense. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to is can I trust you? Uh, can I trust you to put us in the right position, make the right play, even if it's an incomplete or um, he changed the play to a run that gets us only one yard. Coaches understand that this look gave us the run look and if we only gained one yard. It was the right play. So you really got to go in and be mentally uh, up to date just as well as physically. And it means just throwing the ball, being able to lead a team. So those young guys just got to show Coach Monken and Coach and, and Kirby that they understand what the objective is offensively. And those guys are good enough. Their play will show. They're, they're able to run the ball a bit, but it's just the, the mental aspect of playing quarterback. Uh, it's just as good as being a, uh, the best thrower, uh, being Matthew Stafford, or being or being uh, Stetson Bennett. It's just the mental part of it that uh, these guys have to get up. And I don't know if they have it or not, and that's what they have to prove in practice. Yeah, it seems like no matter how much we talk about this, guys like me who you know didn't play the game – you know, we obviously feel like we have an idea about all of this, but I still think we probably underrate that aspect of this, which is, hey, when you step out there on the field as the quarterback, you make everything go, and the amount of things that you have to consider simultaneously can just be overwhelming that that at a certain point, your physical gifts, how well you throw it, how how well you move around, all of those things can be completely undone by just not able to quickly process all the things that you're asked to do there in that moment. I think a lot of us kind of intuitively know that's true, but just how true it really is, I think we probably still, those of us who didn't play the game, maybe underrate that from time to time. I think so, and I think uh, we all can agree that Tom Brady is the best quarterback that I've ever seen. But yeah. he's not the most talented quarterback that right. I've seen. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback that I've seen. But Tom and Peyton Manning, ability to process information 
quickly is a talent within itself. Uh, I heard from a lot of guys that uh, the way they're able to understand what defenses are trying to do and process that information, what makes those two quarterbacks probably two the best ever to do it. And not saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't process as well as those guys. I just think Aaron is the most talented quarterback I've seen. I just think Peyton and Tom Brady processes information faster than anyone. And when you can process information, the game is definitely easy. And you don't have to be the biggest. You don't have to have the best arm, but you have the best mind. Let me do one more on this topic, and then I want to talk to you about something else before we uh, let you go here today. You know, you're a receiver, and obviously, you know, you're a prolific wide receiver. And your situation, I guess, was a little bit different uh, than maybe what some of these guys are going through now. But if you don't mind, put yourself in the position of being on a roster like this where a young quarterback does want to try to make a name for himself. And you mentioned this a moment ago. Some of this comes down to trust, that there's a trust that these players have with Stetson Bennett because he was delivering them the football a year ago. He was allowing Brock Bowers, helping him have a record-breaking season and helping guys like A.D. Mitchell and Lab McConkey have kind of breakout years there as well. So for guys like that, there's a little bit of a trust they have with Stetson Bennett. How can how can a young player earn that trust? If you're a veteran guy who's caught a bunch of balls and you know you want to kind of stay with the thing that you're most comfortable with, which is probably Bennett, what can a young quarterback do to to help earn some belief and earn some trust from a veteran receiver such as yourself if you were in a position like this? Just throw me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> just, just always throw now. <laughs> no, as a receiver, we always think we're open, but just being able to make our job easier. You know, we have to worry about a corner. We have to worry about a safety. We have to worry about a linebacker. Just put us in position for us to be able to catch the ball and run and not take big hits. Uh, process information um, well. Get the ball where it needs to be. I knew when and where I was getting the ball because I understood what we was trying to do. So I can tell you, receivers get really upset when we know uh, for us, well, the defense dictates where the ball should go and the ball don't, does not come. That irritates us more than anything. If we know the ball should be coming up because of our, our preparation, the quarterback definitely has to know. So those quarterbacks really have to know, uh, especially from a veteran guy, that this ball should be coming to this spot. And he knows that if he don't get it, it, it would be uh, upsetting. Really good stuff from Terrence Edwards here at Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And by the way, you can yourself become your own version of an insider with our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. You can join the Insiders Club and you get big incentives just for doing that. It's First of all, it's free to join, which is kind of cool. But also beyond that, when you sign up, you're going to get $10 off uh, your purchase of $30 there when you uh, at, at Marlowe's Tavern just for signing up to be a member of the Insiders Club. Then after that, anytime you come into Marlowe's and spend at least $15 on food and beverage, that's going to be a qualified visit. Then when you get four of those qualified visits, this is kind of like the way the incentive program works here. You're going to get a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit. So you get a lot of chance to enjoy a lot of really good food and beverage with our friends at Marlowe's Tavern. Of course, you can uh, redeem that free uh, entree at your next visit there to Marlowe's Tavern and get great stuff on your birthday there, too. It's just a really fun experience to be a part of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club at the Tavern right there in your neighborhood. So check out Marlowe'sTavern.com for more on that. Marlowe'sTavern.com for more on that. Terrence, have you been able to see a spring practice yet this year? Um, have you, I know you and your brother a lot of times get a chance to go do that. Have you guys been able to see a spring practice yet? Yes, we were able to go this past week. With the, we participated in the coaches' clinic, and 
I was going to bring this up before I go. Uh, I talked about A.D. Mitchell last year, and I, I'm going to toot myself on the, on the back. I yep. was kind of one of the first ones to let everyone know at the spring practice that this guy's special and he's proving me right. I don't know. I don't have a, another prediction like this, but I, what I can tell the dog nation that C.J. Smith from Florida is absolutely fast. All right. He is fast. Uh, so with him and Arian Smith on the outside, uh, I don't know if there's be any two other in college football receivers straight lines faster than those two guys. And I'm really anxious to see Arian Smith uh, continue to uh, stay healthy and use his God-given talent. Uh, which I heard overheard Jim say that he's a 10-flat 100. Huh. And I can tell you this, C.J. Smith, can absolutely fly, and I can't wait to see uh, what he's able to do in the near future. Man, that's exciting to uh, think about. Really good stuff. And before we let you go, I don't want to keep you too long, but anything else um, that jumped out at you from what you saw? You know, the, the the rhythm of practice, new assistants, anything else that you uh, or maybe your brother Robert told you that he saw from uh, from all of that? I just think the offense is just going to be better uh, this year. Uh, my think is more explosive. The running backs, uh, I don't think it's going to be much of a drop off with with Milton. And I think uh, uh, James Cook ability to kick the football. Uh, K Mac is going to be able to do that. Uh, the receivers is another year. Lad uh, Dom Dom is going to be a player that's really going to help us. He's healthy, one hundred percent healthy. Let's and we'll just let's put our hands up and hopefully he stays healthy because yeah. he's going to be able to help us. Uh, the tight end room is absolutely loaded. Uh, with Oscar and uh, Eric right now being the main two guys getting a lot of reps, those two guys are making a lot of plays that I saw. Uh, I took a good friend of mine uh, with me. We're both coaching at, Mil- at Milton now, Justin Miller, the All-American DB yeah. from Clemson. And the first thing that he noticed, he said, man, these guys are big. So Kirby really addressed the size issue once. I think that was the first thing he said. We have to get better, bigger, and at all positions. Justin, he knows football. He's been around football. And the first thing he said, man, these guys are is big. So I just think that's a, a, a thing that really strikes people. If you get close and personal with these athletes, we have some big human beings on our team. And I was around Keely. I really, I've been around Keely Ringo before, but I, I was up close with him. He is a big man. He he is a big man. Yeah, so he just is. The size. He is a big man. Just so one thing, just from an outsider who hasn't been around the program in Justin Miller, the first thing that he saw is just the sheer size of other players. I think that was Kirby wanted to address once he first got to Athens, and he, he had. That's really good stuff, Terrence. Thank you so much. And, of course, uh, you are a great football coach, both there at the Milton uh, program and also with your own individual workouts there as well so folks who want to know more about catching the football better and being a part of the terrence edwards wide receiver academy how can they find out more about that uh, you can find me on all social media at terrence edwards wide receiver academy and now since i am at milton i will be in the north fortin area in the roswell milton alpharetta area on wednesdays and sundays you got to double those rates if you're gonna be working in north fulton you know that right <laughs> hey We'll have to talk about that, (laughs) (laughs) B.A. Terrence, good to see you. Thanks for the insight. We will look forward to getting a chance to chat with you soon. Thank you. 
take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Man, I love Terrence Edwards, man. I love his insight, what he says about Georgia football, and, you know, get a chance to, you know, having just seen the Georgia Spring practice, here's what I saw, here's what I, you know, he and his brother Robert sharing notes. We've had Robert on the show before, uh, you know, around this same time, too, kind of giving us his perspective and all that, hearing from a guy like Justin Miller. That's 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 really good. It's really valuable stuff. And uh, Terrence is just a, just a good guy. Loves the game. Loves teaching the game. And uh, it's just uh, it's really really good to be able to share his insight with all of you as a part of our program here today. Let me transition. Get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and getting ready to go cruising with Royal Caribbean coming up on April twenty fifth. That's just after G Day. Uh, we're going to be heading out independence of the seas from port canaveral going to nassau on the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay, and i think when i think about the trip itself the perfect day coco Cay may be the thing that i'm the most excited about and this is one of those things where a lot of folks know we have a great relationship with the royal caribbean a lot of folks know i'm a big fan of royal caribbean and so a lot of folks will just kind of come up to me and they'll just sort of talk about royal caribbean and when people talk about royal caribbean to me the thing they probably bring up more than anything else is that perfect day Coco Cay. I would say for the folks who are really well-versed in cruising and kind of know what it's all about, this is the thing that allows Royal Caribbean to stand out is this great private island oasis uh, right there in the Bahamas that has the thrill side, the chill side. I mean, the ship itself is a uh, fun fun thing, but you have to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship to get a perfect day Coco Cay. This is exclusive for Royal Caribbean. And I'm telling you right now, the work they've done to make that like an unforgettable experience it's just obvious i've told you before that one of my favorite things about cruising is when the ship comes into port i just really enjoy that and you know when you go to perfect day coco k you know it's you're out like the middle of the you know the ocean uh and you know perfect day coco k starts off as like a small dot like way out there in the distance and you're sailing getting closer it gets bigger and bigger and bigger you start to see the water slides after all tallest water slide in north america is there you know you see all of the the cool things the big helium balloon that goes 400 feet up in the air just so many things like that that you get a chance to see and it's just really really exciting so i got a chance to share this with some of y'all coming up in a couple of weeks i'm excited about that a little bit of time left and a couple of spots left so still a chance for you to get on board if you want to and uh shout me out and hit me up if you are coming because i want to see you there on board we're gonna do some fun stuff and um we'll tell you more about that when we get there but it's gonna be a blast cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and with you on dog nation coming up on april the 25th all right coming up tomorrow we have big recruiting news five star newly reclassified 2022 prospect uh Lebius lt overton is set to make his college decision georgia is a hat on the table here but i guess the overall thought is is that he's probably heading towards texas a&m this is one of those things that ultimately just never really became yeah there you go espn 2 tomorrow afternoon uh 3 p.m there for him on that i guess this is, this is like a halftime of a basketball event or something like that uh did I, maybe i read that correctly um but yeah you see the finalists uh between oregon and georgia and oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> this just looks like sort of a random collection of teams i had I don't know how into this, like the Oklahoma's and the Ohio States of the world really are, but it certainly seems like he's, uh, you know, probably going to Texas A&M. That's kind of the sense there. And after the reclassification, the the buzz around this just never really happened. You took the visit to Georgia. Seems like the visit probably went kind of well, but ultimately, you know, for Overton, and a lot of folks say, "Oh, this NIL money once again." And I guess maybe that may be a part of this. Certainly, a lot of folks seem to think they know what's going on there on that, but it's also a situation where. 
you know, Overton's father is a college athletics administrator, has a little bit of a history there at Texas A&M. So maybe this just kind of been the cards for a while, but looks like Overton tomorrow making his college decision. And thus far, I don't know that there are a lot of folks who think he's going the way of the dogs, but that will come to an end tomorrow. Also, this is interesting news. Georgia Tech has made a hire. Uh, offensive analyst Jim Chaney. I mean, listen, and I know Chaney's kind of the butt of jokes for a lot of Georgia fans because he left here with Tennessee. They didn't really go so well. And, you know, Chaney's one of those guys, like a lot of offense coordinators, that wasn't always super popular when he was here, even the, even when his teams were doing kind of well. I mean, let me just say this real quick. I, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to say this. Uh, if you ever want to know how well Todd Munkin is doing, notice how little criticism he ever gets like munkin doesn't get any criticism from anyone ever and my experience is all offensive coordinators always get criticized all the time even in some of Cheney in, in some of cheney's good years and he had a couple of them in 2017 2018 they're really pretty prolific offensively he still got criticism then uh so if you want to know how well munkin's doing in georgia the fact that he doesn't get a whiff of criticism from georgia fans and college football fans in general who are just pretty prone to want to criticize play calling it's the easiest thing on kind of a knee-jerk reactionary basis to criticize cheney got a lot of it some of it maybe justifiably so uh but munkin gets none of it which i think speaks to how well that he's doing but once again to go back to the cheney thing for a moment and i realize that some of y'all have kind of turned him into a punchline if I had Jim Chaney on my staff as an analyst if I was tech, I'd just make him head coach. At this point in time, like Jeff Collins is not working at all. At least try something different. I mean, uh, you, you, you lost Jameer Gibbs. If you're going to bring Chaney on campus, then why not just let him run the whole deal? Because I sort of get the impression that Jeff Collins is not going to be doing that after the season anyway. So in this particular case, I might want to flip the ticket and let, let Collins work as an analyst and see if Jim Chaney's play calls might work uh, a little better there on the uh, – is it the flats? I always get the planes and the flats confused. Tech is the flats. To this day, I've lived in the Atlanta area my entire life. I still don't know why tech is considered the flats, although they have certainly come out flat on the field a lot over the course of my lifetime. But, uh, but tech as the flats, never quite sure. All right, let me give you a very weird story. This is bizarre. So Alabama had pro day and nick saban attended of course and he was interviewed as most coaches are and he was wearing alabama apparel as most coaches do however apparently somehow some way nick saban was wearing what has been described as counterfeit apparel this is like the knockoff stuff that you buy outside the stadium on the street i think we have some evidence of this we can show you here so and i consider myself a little bit of a you know guy who knows something too about uh clothes I don't know who Christopher Mobley is, but apparently that's a clothier that uh, makes Alabama gear. So here's his tweet. He says, when you're the leader, people will follow. Unfortunately, this is not the logo we use. And there has been a knockoff version of our Tide logo created. We appreciate your support, concern, and we're excited to share our new styles this fall. First of all, I love the idea that there's like this groundswell of concern about, oh, gosh, your logo has been taken. Uh <laughs> But so if you're watching, if you're not watching a video, it's a photo of Nick Saban uh, wearing this like pullover. The supposed maker of the pullover says this is counterfeit. So the question is, how did Nick Saban get counterfeit gear? Um, like the, the, the whole thing is weird. It does kind of remind me. So I knew a guy that was kind of an apparel guy. And at one point in time, I guess Kirby Smart was wearing one of his things. And he said you know, he didn't give it to him. He just bought it, which kind of leads me to wonder. Like, um, like 
you think that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, all these coaches have all the free stuff they ever want. Like they're out there just buying their own gear. I mean, they got plenty of money, but you just seem like it just seems like they're just giving apparel all the time. Uh, but apparently, I don't know if Miss Terry went out and bought this from some knockoff store or whatever else, found it on discount rack or something. But apparently, Nick Saban. Uh, uh, counterfeit wearing some counterfeit apparel at the uh alabama uh pro day so uh there you go on that um also there's this lane kiffin addressed that his brother chris kiffin who was gonna come work at old miss decided not to went back to the nfl gonna work with the cleveland browns one of the things that kiffin said is is that you know it's kind of weird when you happens with your brother but sometimes people just sort of change their mind he says players sometimes change their mind coaches sometimes change their mind talked about being uh deeply entrenched in that cleveland community going to schools there kids playing sports and that last thing it's amazing how often you're hearing that and it's one of the things that i think you hear with like some some georgia staffers from time to time too it's like you know the we heard this with matt luke uh you know i think that uh being back in athens and getting a chance to watch his son play high school football is one of the things that will muschamp has enjoyed i guess now maybe being co-defensive coordinator he may not be able to do that quite as much i don't know but you know the idea of hey you know you can be a coach for 20 whatever years but there's only four year period where your kids are in high school and and doing their thing there on that and man a lot of coaches it seems like now are really stepping out and publicly stating they don't want to miss that which i think is probably a pretty smart decision i think that um being around and present for these moments when you're 80 you know i don't know how much of your you know whatever season of your coaching career you're going to remember but the time that you spent with your kids i'm guessing that probably is a pretty prominent memory for you when you're 80 the only thing you really hold on to you know uh, this is one of those things where, you know, that's uh, probably really important. So it seems like you're hearing that kind of stuff more and more. Also, this is one of those things where honestly compels me to admit that it seems like we hear these stories of, well, so-and-so thought he wanted to coach here, but he's instead going to coach there. It's always the same thing, right? It's always, at least in my mind, it's NFL guy who thinks he wants to come to college and then he changes his mind. Chris Giffen in this case. Uh, it was the uh, Austin Davis, the Auburn offensive coordinator for a while. I think there is a real situation brewing here with a lot of coaches with an exodus from college football. And, you know, that's, I think, worth paying attention to. And it's not like an you know, epidemic as of yet or anything like that, but it's happening a lot. And when coaches have a change of heart, when they want to do something different, it's not, hey, let me step down from this pressure cooker in the NFL and go coach in college. That's never what it is. It's always, let me leave college and go to the NFL. And obviously, some of the challenges associated with recruiting seem to be at the heart of all this, the forefront of all this. And I don't know, for those of us who care about college football, that's probably worth paying attention to. A couple of other things real quickly. We talked the other day about Stetson Bennett being a clue on Jeopardy leading to a correct answer. And as cool as it was that Georgia fans were enjoying seeing their quarterback, their school mentioned on jeopardy the one thing i told you at the time was it's actually fairly impressive that the person answering the question got the the got the clue correct because frequently when college football stuff comes up on jeopardy the jeopardy crowd the typical contestant not exactly well versed in college football oftentimes and those questions have a tendency to fall flat maybe the latest example of that i think we have the clue we can show you on the screen here it says a few career highlights won the heisman at auburn ran for 221 yards in one game for the raiders and was an american league all-star obviously the correct answer on that is uh bo jackson but the uh contestants had no idea who uh vincent edward jackson was which listen i'm no auburn fan but it does sort of horrify you <laughs> 
just how how quickly a lot of these you know kind of all-time greats get forgotten and it's kind of weird like while i'm not an auburn fan i did kind of come of age in sort of the classic era for baseball cards late 80s the bo jackson cards you know bat over the shoulder pads and stuff like that i mean i used to love all that stuff so i have sort of a weird affinity for bo jackson even though I am not a fan of anything Auburn related. And as someone who grew up loving the bow nose commercials and all that kind of stuff, the fact that he's been so quickly forgotten, that's, <laughs> that's a little scary, but maybe the Jeopardy crowd, not exactly a sports crowd anyway. And then finally, there's this. Uh, five, I told you we had a lot of SEC news today. Former five-star 2019 tight end, uh, Baylor Cup. It looks like he's leaving Texas A&M here. And... You know, this just kind of goes to show you, A, first of all, they've had a couple of high-profile transfers as of late. So for an offense that needs to try to get going here, uh, we'll see what impact that has on them. But also, you know, he Cup has not done much in an A&M uniform thus far, which just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes – you know, getting the most of the five-star tight end prospect, not always an easy thing to do. So Cup is looking for a new home, and we'll find out where he lands on all of that. Many of you, though, not looking for a new home. You are settled in right where you are here in the great state of Georgia, proud alumni, so many of you are, of the University of Georgia. And this is that time. In fact, today is the day. It's the uh, day of giving. Um, 24-hour period right now. Uh, go to the website, gail.uga.edu. It's like gail.uga.edu, gail.uga.edu. This is your chance to step up, support, show some love to UGA on this 24-hour day of giving as uh, we all uh, express our gratitude for the impact that Georgia has made, the University of Georgia has made on the lives of so many Georgians and the way in which it's research and it's, you know, uh, just academic work is really kind of making the world a better place there as well. So your support of the Alumni Association today helps continue and further all of that. And it's just a great way to show your love for your alma mater or the university that you care about. GAIL.UGA.edu for more on that and let me also give a shout out as well to my friends at the finish long drink too what a great time to enjoy some finished long drink you can find them online thelongdrink.com try one of the four different varieties the original and the blue can grapefruit flavor gin kick long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar i know a lot of you are very happy about that long drink uh strong black can eight and a half percent alcohol by volume other stuff you're very happy about that and then the long drink cranberry there as well which is a really kind of a cool take on the traditional long drink flavor it's a ready to drink cocktail looks like a beer because it comes in a can but it's not it's a ready to drink cocktail and it's ready for you to enjoy so check out the longdrink.com and you can enjoy that today before we play the music we have three different golden shoes so let's do some golden shoe stuff before we uh, play the music uh, just because we have a kind of a lot of those so i tweeted this out watched a great interview with uh, jamari salyer the former dog on with jeff Sintel last night we'll probably give you some highlights of this for the show tomorrow as a lead-in to Jeff being on the show. I thought Sayer had some great things to say. Uh, I wanted to do it on the show today, but just given some of the other stuff that's out there, we just didn't quite have time to get to that today, but we'll do that tomorrow. But the point is, at one point in time, Jeff asked Jamari if uh, he had any, like, national championship memorabilia, like, you know, shirts, gear, whatever else. And so Jamari leaves the screen for a minute and comes back in. Uh, watch the video. You can see this. Let me show you the photo here on this. Uh, how cool is this? So, for those of you who are in Indianapolis, the main kind of like downtown area had the Indy car, you know, from the Indy 500. They had like a Georgia version of that and an Alabama version of that. And Salyer, I don't know if this was a gift to the players, 
but or or what because i haven't seen this in a store or online or anything it's the indianapolis indy car the georgia logo in a national championship box i really need this i really really need this like, that is a very very cool thing and uh it's cool i mean first of all jamari was very proud of it but to me the game itself will always be connected to where the game was played. Like a lot of you have said the same thing there too. You can't think about Georgia's national championship without thinking about Indianapolis, sort of a weird place for Georgia to have played, but now kind of a city that we'll all have some love for. And obviously the thing that Indianapolis is the most famous for is the Indy 500. So the Indy 500 style car, the Georgia logo, they had one of those, you know, full size editions in the streets of Indianapolis there uh, that week during the game. And Jamari's got that as a souvenir. I feel like I need that. I really, really do. So we'll give Jamari Salyer a golden shoe for that. Uh, another golden shoe to give out here there as well. Our buddy Mad Dog. Uh, this is really funny. Uh, Jim Cheney's first day on the job at Georgia Tech. Uh, wearing the, I guess, the modified Buzz costume. Yeah, that's that's about right. That's about uh, what it looks like for old Jim Cheney there in a, uh, a Georgia Tech uniform. That's pretty pretty funny stuff for our buddy Mad Dog. And then you can fire up the music. We'll show this last golden shoe there as well. Because tonight, Diamond Dogs back in SEC play again this weekend, hosting the lousy, stinking Gators. And uh, Eric on a Georgia baseball, Dogs Baseball fan on Twitter says, you got to beat those lousy Gators this week. And then Steve comes back to him and says, you left out the important adjective. He says, stinking always goes behind lousy when describing the Gators. And uh, Eric comes back to say, it bothered me ever since. Just hope Dog Nation Daily can forgive me. Yes, I do truly forgive you. But I think that's really funny there as well. That is exactly right, though. When we talk about those Gators, we call them what they are, the lousy, stinking Gators, because a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. And we love the idea of the Diamond Dogs getting back to their winning ways after some uh, tough times in Lexington last week with a big series win against the Florida Gators starting tonight. Good luck to them there on that. By the way, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators in football, long national title drought. Uh, We like to remind them of that. 4,830 days since they've hoisted a national championship trophy. And then in Jacksonville this upcoming October, taking another beat down again. That's going to happen 212 days from right now. That is your Gator Hater Countdown. Thanks so much for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. We will look forward to seeing all of you tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. A couple of your comments here on Twitter. Um, Wyatt Fielden weighs in, um, knowing me being a former Gainesvillian, Hall County native, pointing out the job that Josh Niblett's doing, getting started with the Red Elephants program there. He says he's building something special in Gainesville. Can't wait to watch this football team this fall. He says uh, to me and Jeff Sintel to keep our eyes on this team the next couple of years. Yeah, I actually hope we get a chance to maybe do some Gainesville games coming up on uh, Peachtree TV later on this fall because I do think that's going to be a fun program to watch. I think that's there are a few very special high school football stadiums in Georgia, and I do believe that City Park is one of them. Now, I you may say well, that's biased because you're from Gainesville, but I didn't go to Gainesville High School, though. I just um, So if anything, I would have a bias against Gainesville because I went to a rival county school um but uh but i do think that city park is a very very special stadium and i'd love to see that back uh hosting a big time winner again obviously the stomping grounds of deshaun watson of course and um uh, blake sims there have been a lot of good players come through that gainesville area throughout the history and recently so white field and reporting good things there on that uh also wesley childers i'd mentioned 
during the Golden Shoe, the Jamari Salyer IndyCar, and he says he's not finding it online. I hadn't really seen that online either. I wonder if that was a special player-only gift. If so, <laughs> we might be talking about a little NIL trade uh, to pick up one of those from somebody, if that is indeed the case. Uh, James weighs in that the uh, Jamari Sayer interview was really engaging. Enjoyed him last night. Big things heading his way. Uh, would love to see him controlling the line of scrimmage with the Falcons. Yeah, boy, that'd be a good thing there as well. Sayer, as both a Georgia Bulldog and Atlanta native, he'd look really good to Falcons uniform. I would certainly agree with that. Really good comments here today, and hope all of you have a, a great day. And thanks for being here for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. And we will see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Thanks so much.